Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? I am back. Welcome back to episode number 77 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And boy, is it good to be back in the studio, in just behind the mic, I guess. You know, it's been a week. I know I I took Friday off. I kind of got into a bad... I don't want to say I've gotten into a bad habit of doing that. It's just first, you know, I had a... I guess I had to cancel a whole week because when I got, uh, when I had illness <clears throat> and then I took uh, a Friday off because of the shop, uh, it was just, you know, setting up that, doing all that. So that was a pain in the ass. And then this past Friday I took off because I was out celebrating my bachelor party. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So obviously you could probably tell that my voice is probably and is very, very shot. So I'm going to grind through this episode. I am not going to bitch out on this one because, A, we have so, 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 so much to talk about. B, I'm not going to cancel another episode. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I won't do it. And three, that's just rude. You know, I ain't going to do that to you guys. You guys download, listen, enjoy all these episodes, and I really appreciate it. So it would just be a... You know, a dick move to just, you know, oh, I, you know, <clears throat> I can't do Monday's episode either. And like, you know, you know what? We're not doing that. So here we are. Please bear with me with this uh, sore throat. I might have to pause the episode or at least I should like pause the recording. I should say a couple times to get some water or something. I know at some point I'm going to have to pause for friggin' lunch because I am starving and I haven't, I had one hard boiled egg for breakfast. So this is going to be obviously, you know, when you're listening, it's going to be nice, clean, cut and dry. Actually, no, clean, cut and, you know, fire, right? Episode banger. But on my end, when I'm doing it in real time, it's like, ugh, I don't know. So anyways, Sorry for the absence and the cancellation of Friday's episode. I really do apologize. Thank you so much for joining me today on Monday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Like I said, today's episode number 77, and we had so much to talk about in baseball with the trade deadline, with the Red Sox, and how they handled the trade deadline. Plus, we have some Bruins free agency news, Celtics making a couple trades, and obviously there's one thing I want to talk about, the Patriots towards the end of the episode but before we get into any of our topics today hopefully you had a great 
week last week and also a weekend this past weekend. Like I said, it was my bachelor party, so you can only imagine that I did so as well. I'm not going to go into any details about it, but it was a great time. It was a fun time. I was going to vlog it when I was at the airport, and I think I got like a few shots, like three or four clips or whatever. And then I was just like beat from the flight when I got down to Florida. And I was just like dragging. I was like, you know what? 16, uh, no, 15 straight days at the shop beforehand. So this past Thursday was my first day off at the shop. I'll be there later today. And I was just exhausted because I'm also vlogging that kind of a documentary style vlog, I guess, of me setting up the shop from ground zero to whenever I get it completed, right? And I was like, you know what? I just want to enjoy myself. I just want to sit back, kick back, relax, party, have a good time with some some bros, some people. So I decided not to vlog. I wish I did vlog, though, so I can always look back, you know, like with the YouTube vlogs or just any YouTube video, right? Look back, see, you know, what I did, how much fun I had, what was going on then and such. I'm, I don't know. I wish I did. But I'm glad I did at the same time. And, you know, I really do apologize for not being able to vlog that for you. But if you've been to Miami and you've had some fun there, you can kind of envision what it was like down there. But anyways, 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 that is where I was this past weekend, hence why I had it cancel. But anyways, enough of that. Let's dive into our topics for the day and the Red Sox. We're going to start with baseball and the Red Sox. Because that is the chunk of today's episode. And like I said, we'll dive into Celtics trades, Bruins free agency, and then a quick Patriots topic towards the end of the episode. But the trade deadline came and gone on Friday, and boy, was it a massive day for trades. Trades were going in, trades were going out. This was one of the most popping deadlines I've seen, I think, in a long time. I don't exactly know how many trades were made, but trades were made. And... A lot of teams were buying, a lot of teams were selling, a lot of teams made one deal, multiple deals, and there was a couple that made no deals as well. And we're going to talk everything about the MLB trade deadline and, of course, our Boston Red Sox making a few moves themselves, which we will dive into. So I currently have an article up from MLB.com. There's no uh, there's no writer or author, I should say. Uh, let me scroll all the way to the bottom to see if his name is down or her name is down there. So I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. I'm not seeing anything there. Um, it actually does start at the bottom, works its way up from the most recent deals. But I just want to talk about the big deals from basically a couple days, I guess, leading before the deadline. But I'll just start from the top, the most recent trades, and we'll kind of work our way down. Red Sox trades will be kind of in the middle of all these league-wide trades. And obviously, these Red Sox trades we'll talk more about than the league-wide trades. But... We're just going to see where the conversation takes us. So first trade, July 30th, trade deadline. Giants acquire third baseman slash first baseman slash outfielder Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs for outfielder Alexander Canario and right-handed pitcher Caleb Killian. So I actually predicted Chris Bryant going to the Giants. I believe this is the only prediction that I actually got right, I believe. And... Absolute big move for the Giants. I mean, they really made a splash out there. They had to make a move. They had to make a splash if they really want to be serious contenders this year. 
Although they are in first place in the National League West, the Dodgers are still a threat who made moves themselves. The Padres are a significant threat who made moves themselves. And in order to keep ahead of them or at least stay with them, Giants had to do something about it. And they certainly did so in acquiring Chris Bryant. Absolute killer move from them. And I really think this is going to help their lineup with consistency. And it's also going to help that lineup just be more deep. Additionally, with Chris Bryant being so versatile, I mean, you can plug and play him just about anywhere on the field. And that's very valuable. And I think that's why a lot of teams sought after him. And then ultimately, the Giants were able to acquire him. He is a free agent at the end of the year, so it is a rental. These next two months will be important for Chris Bryant and his value moving forward, regardless of how you know the Giants in their season finish. But that next contract for Chris Bryant is what's at grabs here. But obviously, I'm sure he would love to ball out and bring a championship to this new team that invested in him. The next trade, the Mets acquire shortstop Javier Baez, Trevor Williams, and Cash from the Cubs for outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong. So Pete Crow Armstrong is the 19th, was the 19th overall pick in 2020 and is currently the Mets' number five prospect in their system, and they get a great player in Javier Baez, who's versatile, second base, third base as well. We've seen him play some time in center field. Uh, Francisco Lindor, a little injured right now, so Baez will be the shortstop for a short period of time. But when he comes back, we get de- we're, we are going to see Baez um, get some time at second base, get some time at third base as well. This is a move that the Mets needed to make as well. I mean, the records in the National League East aren't all too eye-popping, but they currently are the um, the division leader out there. And they only have a three-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies, who made moves, a four-game lead on the Braves, and a six-and-a-half game lead on the Nationals, who actually were sellers. However... Six and a half games, though, two months. That's n- I mean, that's not a big, big deficit. And if you really want to get into it, the Marlins, 11 and a half games. But I'll talk about the Marlins later on in this episode. So big move by the Mets. Consistency with the lineup. Versatility with his defense. Baez's defense. And also getting a, a right-handed pitcher in Trevor Williams only helps bolster the pitching staff, which come... Time for October, if the Mets get into October, which I'm sure they will. It's only going to help them down there as well. So I think this is a good move for the Mets. The Cubs get a good prospect back from the Mets. I just, you know, it's hard to gauge Javier Baez's uh, value because he has been underperforming the past couple of years. But we all know how great of a player he is. So the deal is done. That's all that matters. And we will see how, how the Mets do. You know, they traded for Lindor before the start of the season. Now they traded for Baez. Mets are making some moves. The Mets are making some moves. The next trade up is the one that's actually very confusing to me on why the Twins made it. And that was trading starting pitcher Jose Barrios to the Toronto Blue Jays for shortstop outfielder Austin Martin and right-handed pitcher Simon Woods Richardson or Simeon Woods Richardson. Absolute haul back from the Blue Jays to the Twins. Uh, let's, I don't know who is who, but Woods, Woods Richardson and Martin are the two and fourth best prospects in the Blue Jays farm system. I believe Martin is number two and Woods Richardson is number four, respectively. 
in my prediction video on Monday for the trade deadline, I actually said that Jose Barrios wouldn't get traded because of the youth and also how he has term left on his contract. So to actually see the Twins move on from him is surprising. But the package that they got in return is something you cannot pass up. I mean, I guess you could pass up, but it would be very hard to pass up. You know, number two and number four prospects in a farm system for an organization is no laughing matter, depending on the farm system, I guess, right? But very surprising move. I know the Blue Jays also made a move to acquire Brad Hand as well, a relief pitcher. So Blue Jays are trying to go all in, although they are in a little bit uh, trickier spot being eight games out of the division. Uh, let me get the wild card standings up because I never have them up when I need to talk about them. And they're only three and a half games out of the wild card. So they're right there. I mean, they should be buyers. It makes total sense that they made this move. However, I just didn't think that the Twins would be willing to give away Jose Barrios. But the deal has been done. I think the Blue Jays are much better for with this deal with Barrios because they're starting pitching. You can always use pitching. Always use pitching. There's never a thing of too much pitching. Injuries. People struggle. People get shelled one game. It is, it, it is baseball. It's the beauty of baseball. And the fact that the Blue Jays sent number two and number four overall prospects in their system, crazy, crazy haul. We'll have to see how those prospects turn out to see if the deal was worth it or not for the Blue Jays. The White Sox acquired Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs for second baseman Nick Madrigal and right-handed pitcher Cody Hewer or Hauer. Crazy deal. I did not think the uh the White Sox would move Nick Madrigal, whether they're in a buying or a seller market, but they did. And Craig Kimbrell was going to be on the move regardless one way or another. I actually had Craig Kimbrell to the Astros. That did not happen. But him being moved, period, was a thing no matter what. And now that I'm actually looking at it real quickly, I did have, I actually did have Chris Bryant to the Athletics. I do apologize there. I believe I also said that they would get one, the Giants would trade for one or the other, whether it's Chris Bryant or I believe Kyle Gibson, I believe it was. Kyle Gibson went to the Phillies, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But I, I think I believe, if I remember correctly, I said that Chris Bryant will, will go to the Giants unless the Giants trade for Kyle Gibson. So I just want to clear the air on that because I have my list from Monday's episode in front of me as well. Dodgers, holy smokes, the Dodgers made a massive move in acquiring Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals. Telling you the Nationals sold out hard, even though they're still kind of in the uh, playoff picture, but they're just going to call it for the season. Whatever happens, happens. Grab as many prospects as they can in return and hope for the best moving forward. So Max Scherzer was going to get traded at some point one way or another. I honestly would have liked him to come to the Red Sox, but I just don't see the Red Sox matching this offer that the Dodgers were able to, or this package the Dodgers were able to send out, nor would I want them to have. The fact that Trey Turner was also in this deal as well, who's not a free agent until, I believe, next year, a little interesting as well, but the package that the Dodgers gave to the Nationals, catcher uh, Kiebert Ruiz, right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray, pitcher... Uh, Gerardo Carrillo and Elfield Donovan Casey. Absolute haul. 
This sentence from the article, the return to Washington is a large prospect hall featuring the Dodgers' number one and number two prospects, Ruiz being number one and Gray being number two, in addition to to Carrillo and Casey, a pair of mid-range prospects. Wow. Absolute wow. Max Scherzer is a free agent at the end of the year. Trey Turner, like I said, has the rest of this year and next year left. That infield for the Dodgers, Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, Trey Turner. All right. All right. Let's see. Let's kind of speed this up a little bit. Phillies acquired Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, Hans Cruz, all pitchers in cash. From Rangers, four right-handed pitcher, Spencer Howard, pitcher Kevin Gowdy, and pitcher uh, Josh Gessner. Big move for the Phillies to get some pitching. Like I said, they're still in that race out in the National League East. Only three and a half games behind the Mets right there, even though they have a sub-500 record. Overall, I think the Phillies are underperforming, and if they can perform a little bit better, you know, statistically across the board, I think they'd be in first place by probably four uh, by four games or so. Phillies are definitely underperforming, and maybe this move helps them with the rotation, with the bullpen. We'll have to wait and see because, like I said, the Mets made moves as well, and the Phillies did so. Both teams selling or buying out for the playoffs this year hope hopefully the playoffs oakland athletics acquire catching on gomes josh harrison and cash from the nationals for some prospects nationals trading away just about everybody that they have on their roster or at least on the major league roster and quite frankly at the beginning actually i don't know when but during this past offseason they traded for josh bell from the pirates Obviously, the Nationals were going out and trying to make a big move of their own in order to be, you know, playoff hopefuls this year. That move is clearly backfiring. The poor guy, Josh Bell, can't get on a good playoff contending team. Feel bad for that guy. Yankees acquire left-handed pitcher uh, Andrew Haney and Cash from the Angels for right-handed pitcher Jason Junk and pitcher Elvis Peguero, I believe is how you say it. Yankees adding starting pitching, which is something that they absolutely needed. I'll talk about the other moves that the Yankees made later on. Yankees absolutely uh, trading, buying out for everybody in order to be playoff team a, a playoff team this year. I know I joked around that they should be sellers at the deadline because they were, at the time, nine games out of first place. However, they were never more than a few games out of the wild card. Currently, two and a half games out of the wild card. But I mean, is this the best decision for them moving forward? Maybe. I mean, I don't know what Haney had. Maybe Haney. Uh, let's see. Haney is 30 years old, eligible for agency at the end of the season. And Rizzo is a free agent at the end of the season who they also traded for. And then Joey Gallo has this year and next year left on his contract. So this isn't really a move for years to come as well. This is just a we're going all in this year kind of deal, which is no surprise for the New York Yankees. Braves acquire outfielder Jorge Soler from Royals for right-handed pitcher Casey Kalich. Braves getting more uh, hitters in that lineup. Obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. tearing his ACL is a huge blow. Earlier in the month, they traded for Jock Peterson from the, where was he, the Cubs. guess they needed more. I don't blame them. Jorge Soler has... Big time power, so it'll be very interesting to see how he's able to fit into that lineup and to see if the Braves are. Hello, Coy. 
my kitty came to say hi. She said bye. It'll be interesting to see how the Braves really try to push for the playoffs this year. Checking the National League wildcard standing there. Currently eight games out of the wildcard. But, but, they're only four games out of the division. So, it's it's there. It's up for grabs. Cardinals acquire left-hand pitcher John Lester from the Nationals for outfielder Lane Thompson. Or Thomas, excuse me. Interesting moves from the Cardinals here. I honestly thought that they were out of the picture, being six and a half games out of the wild card and nine and a half games out of the division. It's a move that doesn't really make sense for me, but you know what? The Cardinals also acquired Jay Happ from the Twins earlier. Then they acquired John Lester. They're getting some pitching. I, I don't know. I don't really know what this move does for them. They trade away a struggling prospect. But uh, I don't know. I'm so I'm so confused on this. And like I said, the Car- Cardinals acquired Jay Happ earlier um, f- from the Twins for right-handed pitcher John Gant and left-handed pitcher Evan Sisk. Braves also acquire Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates, big-time relief pitcher slash closer who was more than likely going to be on the move. But since he still had some years on his contract, he may not have been used. Uh, let's see. Braves acquire outfielder Adam Duvall from the Marlins. Red Sox. Here we go. First Red Sox trade. Let's talk about this one. Red Sox acquire right-handed pitcher Hansel Robles from the Twins for right-handed pitcher Alex Scherf. And my cat is showing me her tummy. She's so cute. She's playing. Anyways. Okay. Sorry, guys. She's very cute. Um, Bullpen help. I was iffy on the bullpen, but like I mentioned earlier, and I've said it ample times before, I will never, never decline pitching help. If you can get it for a good price, you be quiet, please. If you can get pitching for a good price, I will not complain, nor will I reject it. Just do not pay too much for a, a piece of your roster that's strong or considered stronger. I think Hansel Robles is going to fit very nicely. In that back end of the rotation, uh, not rotation, the back end of the bullpen, especially as you get closer and closer to September and then October, where pitching is going to really start to heat up and become very important. I like this move, low risk, high reward kind of move for the Red Sox, along with uh, other moves that they made as well. Uh, let's see, I don't want to talk. Uh, <laughs> Braves traded uh, Pablo Sandoval to the Indians. What a joke. Uh, Blue Jays acquire Joaquim Soria from the Diamondbacks. Padres acquire Jake Marisnik from the Cubs for Anderson Espinosa. If anybody remembers Anderson Espinosa, he was a relatively, uh, he was a highly regarded prospect for our system. We traded him to the Padres for Drew Pomerantz, I believe in 2017. That's when that deal was. I forget what it was. And he had like Tommy John surgery and he's been riddled with injuries. He's 23 years old now and he hasn't pitched above class high A. Uh, I guess a you know low-risk, high-reward move for the Padres as well. They're kind of giving up on Anderson Espinosa. But however, if you really think about it, the circle of life, they trade away Drew Pomeranz. They brought him back anyways. Anderson Espinosa isn't doing anything for them anytime soon. Get him out. Bring in someone that can help you this year, and that's exactly what they've done. Phillies acquire shortstop Freddie Galvis from the Orioles. Freddie Galvis was actually regarded as this, the next version of Jimmy Rollins for the Phillies way back like 10 years ago um he's then I don't want to say bounced around but he's been with uh 
San Diego, with Baltimore, with Cincinnati, I believe, as well. So, I mean, Philly's bringing a, you know, someone that they acquired in 2006 back home to help him, help them make that playoff push. Giants acquired left-handed pitcher Tony Watson from the Angels for uh, some prospects. Brewers acquired John, uh, right-handed pitcher John Curtis from the Marlins. Ashers acquired right-handed pitcher Phil Maton from the Indians. You see just all these moves that happened in the deadline. I'm not trying to, you know, make this longer. I'm kind of going through them quickly. There was just so many moves that were traded. Um, another Red Sox move. Pirates acquire infield outfielder Michael Chavis from the Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Austin Davis. A former top 100 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, Chavis slugged 18 homers over 95 games as a rookie in 2019, but he's fallen out of favor in Boston over the past two seasons hitting trash numbers with seven home runs in 73 games. The 25 year old will get a fresh start with the pirates. It was a one for one swap with Boston Davis, a 28 year old lefty who has a lifetime 5.65 ERA over 65 appearances. Yuck. <laughs> you couldn't have gotten anybody better than this. So Michael Che was going to the pirates. He has a fresh start, help kind of build that young core that they're trying to develop out there running out of options here in the major league level. So he's more than likely going to be a full-time MLB player for the Pirates. I don't see why they would bring push him down to his, the minor league levels. But my goodness, that's all you were able to get was Austin Davis, a, a bum pitcher who's 5.65 ERA or 65 appearances. Look, I've met Chavis. He's a great guy. He's a nice guy. And I really don't want the Red Sox to move him. I really thought he should have played more. I thought he should have made the... Uh, Opening day roster, but he didn't. If you're going to trade him, fine. I get it. But, like, I don't know. I think this I think this return's a little bad. I'd rather a player to be named later than this guy. Or just cash, even, honestly. I don't I Bless, uh, bless up to Michael Chavez. You know, enjoy your career in Pittsburgh, however long it may be. I do have a signed bat and ball from him because I did meet him. When he was a rookie, he's a great guy. So we will definitely miss the ice horse for sure. Brewers acquire left-hand pitcher Daniel Norris from the Tigers. Phillies acquire uh, Braden Oglefer from the Pirates. Rays acquire Sean Armstrong from the Orioles. Padres acquire Daniel Hudson from the Nationals. And yes, here we go. Red Sox acquire outfielder Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals. For right-handed pitcher Aldo Ramirez. This move. This move was very interesting to me. Was very, very interesting to me. Now, keep in mind, Kyle Schwarber is currently on the 10-day IL. Which probably hindered the return. However, am I a big fan of the trade? I like Kyle Schwarber. He's having a nice season. 25 home runs, 53 RBIs, uh, 9-10 on, on base plus slugging, 253 batting average. So that's not terrible if you consider today's standards. But uh, let me read you a little blurb that's here. Following the blockbuster deal in which their arch rivals, the Yankees, landed slugging first baseman Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs, the Red Sox countered with a move to secure a slugger of their own in Schwarber, who went on an incredible run during which he launched 16 home runs in 18 games for Washington from June 12th to the 29th before injuring his hamstring. 
Overall, Schwarber is hitting 253 average, 340 on base, 570 slugging, with 25 home runs in 72 games this season. Ramirez, who was Boston's number 19th prospect per MLB pipeline, posted a 2.03 ERA over eight starts for Class A Salem this season. I mean, 19 overall prospect. Is that, you know, a high price? Not really. Kyle Schwarber will be a free agent at the end of the season who formerly played for the Cubs and this year the Nationals. Like I said, I like the move, but the Red Sox want him to learn first base and be a first baseman. He hasn't played first base since, I believe, when he was in Class A. Or maybe college. I forget which one. So take that for what you want. Now, have a guy who's hitting the ball very well. Be a versatile outfielder. You're just kind of corner outfielder guy. DH maybe. But now you're going to teach him how to play first base. When you could have just traded for a first baseman who's been very good this year. Uh, underperforming. But defensively, he's been great, and obviously he's been great for the Yankees in his short time there. And that is Anthony Rizzo, which is the next article, or the next trade, I should say. Yankees acquire first baseman Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs for two prospects, number 9 and number 12 overall prospects in their farm system. So obviously would have to have given up more to bring in Anthony Rizzo, who is a rental for the rest of this year. But when I was down in Miami... We went to the Marlins game, not yesterday, but the day before. He launched a ball down the right, right field line. I don't know how far it went, but it was an absolute launcher. Anthony Rizzo plays great defense. He's a light guy, locker room guy. He's smart, IQ. He can hit the ball. He's proven to hit the ball. I just kind of wish that the Red Sox or at least pursued him a little bit more, and I'm sure they probably did. But just trading your number 9 and number 12 overall prospects is something I did not want the Red Sox to do. So I'm glad that they didn't. But in hindsight, that's a tough one to swallow. And then I guess I'll just kind of scroll down to the the Joey Gallo trade. Where's that one? Here it is. I want to talk about this one too. This is the last trade I'll talk about. Yankees acquire outfielder Joey Gallo and left-handed pitcher Jolie Rodriguez and Cash from the Rangers. For second baseman Ezekiel Duran, shortstop Josh Smith, infield outfield Trevor Hoover or Halver, and right-handed pitcher Glenn Otto. Now I don't exactly know where these prospects fit. Um, Smith is 14th overall, Duran is 15th overall, Halver or Hoover is 23rd overall, and Otto is 28th overall. Pretty good return for the Rangers. Really good return right there. Could it have been expensive return? The Yankees, I don't think they paid as much as I would have thought they would have. Especially with, you know, Joey Gallup being so versatile, great defender. Uh, I don't want to say he's a good hitter. He launches the ball 1,000 feet. He's a, he has a great eye at the plate. His average is low. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Three top 25 prospects and then 28 as well for two players in cash. That's not too bad. Gallo, Rizzo, um, Haney, Rodriguez, they're all going to help the Yankees this year. They made a ton of moves, really investing into this year. That's what the Yankees do. But overall, my thoughts about the trade deadline, crazy, absolute crazy, crazy deadline. 
would never believed how many moves were made. When I was on the plane yesterday flying home from Florida, I wrote down, I don't know, like eight trades that I wanted to talk about. I found the list. It was way more than eight trades. Holy smokes, was it way more than eight trades. But what are my thoughts? What are my thoughts about the MLB trade deadline and teams that made moves moving forward? So like the Nationals, for example, they sold everybody. They acquired so much young talent. They acquired so many prospects. And they will have a plethora, a deep pool of players that they will be able to scout, develop, and grow into future Washington National players. Or use for bargaining chips and future trades in the offseason, years to come, when they get more competitive again. Do keep in mind, though, they're only six and a half games out of the division. I believe the wild card is ten and a half, so they're not going to be anywhere near there. So even after trading Scherzer, Turner, Brad Hand, Josh Harrison, and whoever else I'm missing off of that team, they're still kind of in it, low-key. Now, they're not going to win it because the Mets, Phillies, and Braves all above the made moves to get better. But still, it's just something to consider. Like, low-key, it's just something to consider. Uh, Mets, Phillies, Braves, like I said, they all made moves to get better. Brewers made a couple moves to make uh, to get better. I still think it's the Brewers' division no matter what. Reds are seven, game, seven games out of first place. Cardinals, nine and a half. Cubs, they sold hard. Rizzo, Bryant, Kimbrell. Who else am I missing? Marisnik, Peterson earlier this month. Baez. They're done for this season. I mentioned on Monday that I can only see them trading two of three of these players. Baez, Bryant, or Rizzo. Not all three. They ended up trading all three. Teams wanted them. Teams got them. This must be a devastating day, or what was a devastating day, for Chicago Cubs fans. Basically, your entire 2016 team that won the World Series is now gone. You got to start from the ground up again, and we could probably expect suspect the Cubs to be in last place or in the bottom of the division for the next couple of years, in my opinion. Giants, Dodgers, Padres all got better this trade deadline. It's going to be a battle for that division. Padres still six and a half games out. Dodgers three games out of the Giants who are in first place. I mentioned the Giants have to make a move if they want to stay ahead of these two powerhouse teams, and that's exactly what they did. Dodgers and Padres own the two NL wildcard spots right now with the Reds only four games behind the Padres. It's going to be really interesting to see how that National League kind of molds because it's in the East, it's only the division. You're only competing for the division. Central, it's just the Brewers. It'll be a collapse if they lose it. And in the West, all three teams could get in. Then again, that West is kind of the, not the West, I'm sorry. The division is close. So Giants could fall to the wild card. They could fall out if the Reds get better. It's just going to be really interesting to see. Three teams could, three teams from the West could represent in the National League playoffs, but I highly agree with that. I, I, I think the Dodgers. Giants and Padres will hold on in some capacity. One of the teams not named the Giants may win the division. Giants may follow the wild card, while the team that didn't win the division was still the wild card. You see what I'm saying? That is what I fully expect to happen. Moving over to the American League, 
Rays got better. Red Sox got better. Yankees got better. Blue Jays got better. I've said for a long time that this this division is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a battle. I really thought it was going to be Red Sox, Rays for the rest of the season. Yankees made a ton of moves. They're more than likely going to get in. I can absolutely see them getting it as a wild card. They do have currently the Red Sox and the Oakland Athletics ahead of them. The A's are two and a half games back. I'm sorry, the A's are two and a half games up on the Yankees. Three and a half on the Blue Jays and the Mariners. So very interesting to see the Mariners still in it. And I don't think they went out and made many moves. They might have made subtle moves. But, man, if the Mariners could have, you know, invested into this team, they might have been able to sneak into the wild card, potentially compete for that division, although they're eight games out. But it would have set them up for future success come next year and years to come. White Sox, that's their division all the way through. Indians are nine games out. They sold. It's the White Sox division. That's just about it. It'll be a collapse if they lose it. I don't know who they'll lose it to because that whole division is garbage. What is with the Central Division for both the American League and the National League this year? The Brewers and the White Sox are basically running away with those divisions, and it's not even close. Anyways, Athletics and Astros both got better. The Mariners are still there, but they didn't make any moves, but they could still kind of compete for that wild card spot. Eight games out of the division. I don't see that, that happening. But you never know. Athletics made moves. Astros made moves. Like I said, four game, four and a half games up on the Athletics are the Astros. I don't really see the Astros losing it, but it's only four and a half games. Anything can happen. If I was to bet on it, I'm going to bet the Astros because overall they are the better team. So a lot of movement happened this trade deadline. A ton of movement. More than I ever thought. It was good to see a lot of players go from Team A to Team B to go from sucking to being on a competitor. Teams selling, teams buying. It was refreshing. A lot of new, uh, old faces on new teams. And I'm really excited to see what the rest of the season looks like in terms of the playoffs looming. So how is the American League East going to shape out with four or five teams making uh, moves to you know, commit? How is the West going to look out? Uh, look, National League East, where there's three teams buying for that division crown or they're not going to make it to the playoffs. Brewers holding the Central basically to themselves and how that National League West with those three teams going to shake up. Holy smokes, that was so much to talk about right there. And we covered so much in regards to Major League Baseball and its trade deadline. So I really appreciate you listening to that all the way through. Comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. I really want to hear your thoughts and opinions about Major League Baseball's trade deadline from Friday. Were you impressed with the Red Sox moves? Were you disappointed with the Red Sox moves? Let me know. I want to hear your thoughts and opinions about it. Me personally, in terms of just the Red Sox, I like what they did. They made moves to show us that they're serious and competitive about this year, which is what I wanted them to do. I wish their moves were better, though. I do wish their moves were better, but I'm not going to be picky. I'm just going to be happy that they were able to make moves, period. Because I do not want to be on record recording this episode today, and they didn't make any moves 
when the Rays, Yankees, and the Blue Jays all made moves. So I will take what I can get, and I'm just going to move on. Do I think the Red Sox can win the division? Well, when they get swept by the Tampa Bay Rays and lose uh, and split the series against the Blue Jays last week, hard for me to believe that. Currently, the Red Sox are currently, let's get there, 63 and 44, game and a half out of the division, and they're 4 and 6 in their last 10. Just going to have to wait and see. Chris Sale's coming back. Kyle Schwarber will be activated soon once he uh, gets a few rehab games down in. I don't know if he'll go to Portland, but, you know, definitely Worcester. Second, I don't want to say the second half, but the last two months of the season is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I really can't wait, not just for the Red Sox, but, it's, you know, baseball in its entirety. All right. Enough of baseball. <laughs> 40 minutes of baseball. 35 minutes if you want to exclude the introduction, which is fine. There was a ton of other moves that I could have talked about, but I didn't really want to... Uh, you know, milk this episode, talk about baseball for an hour because although this is a Boston sports podcast, we talk nothing but Boston sports and major league wide topics. There's so many trades in baseball. Some people may be listening and may just be in it for the Celtics, may just be in it for the Bruins or just the Patriots or a combination of those three, including the Red Sox or not including the Red Sox. So enough of the baseball. Let's get into our other topics at hand. And we will dive into the Boston Celtics, who made a couple of trades themselves. Do I like these trades? Yes and no. Okay. I like the return of these trades, but I don't like what they gave up in one of them. So we'll talk about the first one. Um, I don't know which one broke first. I think it was the three-team trade, the Celtics, Hawks, and the Kings trade. So the Celtics trade away Tristan Thompson. See you later. They trade him to the Kings, and they receive Chris Dunn, who's a point guard, center Bruno Fernando, and a 2023-2023 second-round pick. In addition, the Hawks will be getting Dellen Wright. So three-team trade. Two players and a pick to the Celtics. One player each to the Hawks and the Kings. I like this trade. You get a, hopefully a good uh, former top five pick. Went to Providence College, which is right down the street. Shout out PC. And Chris Dunn. Saw literally zero playing time over the playoff run for the Hawks. So he is useless to them. Could he be something to us? Maybe catch lightning in a bottle from a top a former top tier prospect acquiring another center in Bruno Fernando is a very questionable move I like the acquisition of another draft pick hopefully you don't use it and you can just use it for ammunition in a future trade trading away Tristan Thompson though I mentioned that there was going to be another trade that was going to go down after they traded for Al Horford and Moses Brown they had like five centers on their roster so I knew one of them was out the door I was kind of hoping it was Tristan Thompson however they also acquire another center and Bruno Fernando. So it's like you're kind of back where you started, except you have less money on your payroll. So win-win there. You get a backup point guard. I guess you replace the center you traded away, and you get a draft pick, plus you shed salary. I will take that trade all the way around. Now the second trade that the Celtics made, this was with the Dallas Mavericks, where they agreed to trade 
for guard forward Josh Richardson. And they will be exercising. Richardson's exercising his $11.6 million player option. However, in order for the Celtics to acquire Richardson, they have to use the trade exception that was generated by the Gordon Hayward uh, loss last offseason. So remember when Gordon Hayward was, you know, he declined his player option, then he signed with the Charlotte Hornets. Well, that move right there gave you a trade option. And remember, during the season, when the trade deadline for basketball was kind of looming, we were like, use the trade deadline, bring in a big player, help you move forward. Use the trade deadline. If you not use it, we will be so pissed. Well, here are the Celtics using the trade exception on Josh Richardson, guard forward, I like the move. I really like it. It helps uh, you bring in a little bit of defense. You bring in a little bit of scoring, some versatility. I only see this being a one-year play for the Celtics, especially $11.6 million. It's good. Uh, I don't know. Uh, since he is a defense, I don't want to say he's a defensive-orientated player like Marcus Smart, but he's very defensive, and he used to be a good shooter, but he shot a career low 33% from three. Does this move help you trade Marcus Smart? You know, where Josh Richardson can kind of maybe fill that role, obviously to a less degree than Marcus Smart, cheaper, probably going to take less shots. And, you know, the mindset of being a key player for Richardson will not be there like it is for Marcus Smart. Hence why you see Smart chuck up threes all day. So the acquisition of Josh Richardson, I like. I don't think he's going to be a huge impact player for the Celtics like some may think he will be, but he's definitely going to be a key role player definitely for this coming season. But that does really lead me to believe that Marcus Smart could be on his way out. I mean, he's making like $16 million or so last year of his contract extension that he signed a couple seasons back. Could cause a problem in the locker room with Tatum, with Brown. I mean, I saw a report earlier today that Brad Stevens um, doesn't really like his play style, I believe it was. Which I think a lot of the Celtics fans kind of agree with on that one. And if you can use Smart to move him and kind of use that money that you're saving to bring in a Bradley Beal type. I know you've been kind of linked to Damian Lillard, but I don't think that's going to happen. But Bradley Beal will definitely, I don't want to say would, but could definitely happen. I mean, boys with Jason Tatum, he's, uh, Celtics are on a list of like five or so teams that he kind of wants to go to. It's just, what is that package going to look like? And, you know, that's just a, you know, a conversation for another day that I don't want to get into just yet because there's a lot more stuff to talk about that I want to get to today. But with the trade, going back to the trade with the Mavericks for Josh Richardson, you do, yes, you get to use that trade exception, yes, but you're also trading Moses Brown, which is very confusing. Now, if you forget, Moses Brown is the big man, the young kid that we got in the Kemba Walker deal. We traded Kemba Walker and the first round pick. We got Horford and Moses Brown back. That's when we got five centers. So, yes, you do trade Tristan Thompson. Excuse me. My goodness. I just had lunch. <laughs> I just had lunch. So there you go. Um, you do trade Tristan Thompson. You bring back uh, Bruno Fernando. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Bruno. Yeah, Bruno Fernando. Still have the five centers. Now you trade uh, Moses Brown, who a lot of people actually really liked. 
a lot of people really liked his potential, what he could bring as a big man, being athletic, what we saw in him from OKC last year. Very surprising to kind of move on from him before you even get to training camp. But if that's all it's costing you to bring in a player like Josh Richardson, then I guess so. But it just, whatever the big man core looks like this coming year, Time Lord, Horford, Bruno, it's going to have to be good. I guess Taco Fall, right? It's going to have to be a good one because now Tristan Thompson's not here anymore. Moses Brown isn't here anymore, who a lot of people were kind of banking on to be a good tandem player with Time Lord Rob Williams. Interesting couple of trades for Brad Stevens here. And you know what? This man's definitely shaking up the roster. He's trying to move... He's trying to move pieces out. He's trying to move pieces in. So I definitely appreciate him recognizing that this team was flawed last year and probably has been for a couple years, and he's trying to do something about it in order to get the Celtics back into you know, the finals, back to the finals. How about just back to like the second round? I'll take that after last year's disappointing playoff loss. You know, Second round's you know, really nothing in the NBA, but you know what? Let's start somewhere. So after these Celtics trades here, where do I see this team going? Well, I strongly believe that these trades are leading up to something. They're acquiring a lot of players. They got Josh Richardson. They uh, got Chris Brown, Bruno Fernando, a second round draft pick. Sure, whatever. And all they did was trade away two guys for three guys plus when you traded Kemba, you brought in two guys. So I don't know exactly where the ro- the roster is at, whether it's at like 15, 16, or 17. Plus, you have Evan Fournier still that you could potentially bring back. But something's coming. I really think so. The way Brad Stevens has made these trades, the Kemba-Horford deal, the three-way trade with the Hawks and the Kings, and then the deal with the Mavericks, something is coming. Now... Celtics have been linked to Bradley Beal. I guess I'll kind of talk about that now because we're already here. What is that going to look like? People are saying that you have to give up a minimum of Jalen Brown and draft picks. I say no to that because literally every single year, Jalen Brown has gotten better, whether it's defensively, shooting the ball wise, or just as a player. He's gotten better. Gotten better. Got 10. Gotten better, not gotting better. My goodness. <laughs> so I don't want really want to trade him for a guy who's making like 40 plus million dollars, has a couple years left, a little bit older. Yeah, you get to bring in Jason Tatum's boy and all that, which would probably significantly help. But like if you can pair Beal with Brown and Tatum. Now you guys have yourself a legitimate up-and-coming big three. All three of those guys are still young. You put them together for a couple of seasons. Who knows what happens if you surround them with the proper pieces after that. But could you trade Marcus Smart? And then could you flip Evan Fournier in a sign-and-trade? I know you have a couple smaller trade exceptions left. Future first-round picks. Potentially. I think that's probably the route that the Celtics are going to want to go into. Would you have to throw in like a, a, you know, Robert Williams in that deal? More than likely, you know, with the Celtics acquiring, you know, Don, Fernando, Richardson, Horford, probably some of those uh, other younger players that they had on their team previously, probably going to get moved as well. 
And that's exactly, and that's kind of what I want to see happen more is to take like a Carson Edwards or a Tremont Waters and a Grant Williams and try to package those guys up and go get something, whether it's a draft pick or a player that will actually help and contribute this year. Out of the group of guys that they have, uh, Rob Williams, Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, Semi Ojale. Out of that group of players, I think Ojale is a free agent, I believe. I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote me. I want them to keep Robert Williams and Romeo Langford the most. Oh, oh, and also um, uh, Aaron Eastman too. Okay, so out of that group of eight guys or whatever it is, I want to see them keep Robert Williams and Romeo Langford. And if I had to pick a third one, it'd be Aaron E. Smith below that. I really think that Langford and Brown, uh, Williams have the highest ceilings and the most potential. But then again, on the other side of the coin, those two players right there would probably bring you back a better return. It's going to be really interesting to see what Brad Stevens does with the Celtics roster. Like I said, I don't think that he is nowhere near done because bringing in the players that you have brought in and made the the moves that you've made now still does absolutely nothing for the Celtics for this coming season because the Nets are still better, the Hawks are still better, probably the Knicks are still better, the uh the Bucks are clearly better. Who else? I'm missing uh the 76ers. Yeah, I would probably say they're still better than you right now. The Miami Heat, you're probably neck and neck with the Miami Heat right now. But it's still, you know, way too early to kind of really pinpoint, you know, like a a power rankings for the Eastern Conference. I really like the moves, like I said, that Stevens is doing right now. I can, I can assure you that there's more to come, and I really hope that there is. We're just kind of have to wait and see what those moves are. NBA free agency starts up soon. I'm just not exactly sure when. Uh, let me see if I can Google it real quick. August 2nd at 6 p.m. I am recording this on August 2nd. Ah, it is currently, right now, as I'm recording, 1.25 p.m. Eastern Time. NBA free agency opens up later today at 6 p.m. So you can expect a flurry of moves to come. So come Friday, we'll probably have some moves to talk about. And I'm hoping the Celtics are in that news, whether it's like a sign and trade or if they actually went out and spent money. We're just going to have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. So... That is going to be the Bruins conversation for today. I can't wait to see how things you know pan out for the Celtics. Hopefully for the better because if it's anything like last year in terms of their season. I think I speak for all Celtics fans when I say this. No thank you. No thank you. Anyways, Bruins. Let's uh, jump into something a little bit uh, more. Uh, I don't know. Interesting for some folks, uh, better, newsworthy, noteworthy. I don't know. It depends on your philosophy or you know what teams you like. Anyways, David Krejci announces he will not return to the Boston Bruins next season. He is leaving the National Hockey League, the NHL, after 15 seasons. And he's going to return home to his home country of the Sketch Republic to play in front of his family and friends out there. He is, I don't want to say he's retiring, but he's not, he's just switching leagues, I guess. Going home, I commend it, I respect it. He's coming off a six-year contract that had a $7.25 million cap hit, AAV. So there was rumors and reports 
you bring Hall back, you bring Krejci back, you you kind of give Krejci someone to be on that second line with with some consistency after years of not finding David Krejci good wingers. You may have one good winger and then the other one sucked, or you'd have two one two suck bags. Krejci played 962 games with the Boston Bruins, who selected him 63rd overall in the 2004 NHL draft. He had 215 goals, 515 assists, with a 143-plus rating. Uh, he was a member of the Sketch Republic's 2010 and 2014 Olympics men hockey team. He was also part of the Bruins' 2011 Stanley Cup championship team, additionally a part of the Stanley Cup run that the Bruins made in 2013 and in 2019 as well. So David Krejci is not coming back to the Bruins and this people wanted him back and others didn't want him back. Me personally, I kind of wanted him back, but for a short term deal, two years, maybe five a pop, five million a pop to have him not come back kind of hurts a little bit that it's official because, you know, for years, you know, past few years, people are always talking about, oh, get rid of Krejci's contract, trade Krejci, you know, underperforming and such like that. And he had his high moments. He had his low moments. And at the end of the day, very sad to see him go. Great career nonetheless. His number, I am more than certain, will get retired at some day in time. But for now, we will just have to watch him play in the Sketch Republic. But with that being said, though, excuse me. With that being said, what do the Bruins do with the center position now? The second line center position, for that matter. And when free agency opened up in the NHL the other day, the Bruins made a flurry of moves themselves. Notable signings as of 729 uh, 21, so July 29th. They signed defenseman Derek Forbert for three years, $9 million contract. Nick Foligno, uh, center forward, two years, $7.6 million. Eric Halla, forward, two years, $4.75 million. Thomas Nosek, forward, two years, $3.5 million. And then goalie Linus Ulmark, four years, $20 million. This is coming off the heels of Yaroslav Halak going to Vancouver. Dan Vladar getting traded to Calgary. And um, Sean Corrali signing with, I forget who he signed with. It doesn't matter. Anyways. A lot of moves being made. The roster is getting shaken up. You bring Hall back. You lose Krejci. You bring Flonie. Oh my God, I can't say it. Foligno in. You bring Ulmark in the goalie. You trade Vladar. You lose um, Halak. Tuka Rask is still a question mark. Uh, Kevin Miller retired. A lot of things are happening for the Bruins. A lot of things are happening. They're not simply just running it back with the same group. A lot of moves are being made. And my concern for the Bruins is probably going to be consistency or a chemistry for that matter. Because a lot of, uh, you know, locker room guys, you know, fan favorite, good players coming out, new guys coming in, not going to, you know, remark on their skill because it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess it does, but whether they're good or not, there's still a new guy coming into the locker room. And it's going to take some time to get used to. You know, not just from a fan perspective, but from, you know, team perspective. You know, Bergeron doesn't really know these guys. Marchand doesn't. Is Jeremy Swayman your goalie now? I mean, they're saying 
I don't say they, I should say me, was thinking that you can go with Swayman and Halak, Ladarkme and Providence. And then when Tuka Rask comes back, you make a decision there unless he signed previously. Now with Halak on, you bring you do bring an Olmark in, which is a you know a good signing for the Bruins who just came off a really good season with the Buffalo Sabres. Believe it or not. <laughs> but you know what? You got a 2023rd. 2022 third round pick for Dan Vladar from the Calgary Flames. So a nice little move there. Stockpile a draft pick. I was kind of low on Dan Vladar anyway, so I don't mind moving him. But, you know, I'm really interested to see how this Bruins team shapes up. You know, I don't think the Bruins are done. I still think trades and moves are to be made. I would really like to see them make a trade for maybe, you know, a second line center unless... Uh, Felino is going to be that guy, which I would not uh, mind. He had 31 goals and 73 points in the 2014-15 season. In the six years since, he's scored above 37 points once and hit the 20-goal mark once. He's been a huge disappointment for the Leafs last season when they acquired him for the Blue Jackets at the deadline for a hefty price. The Bruins will be hoping for an offensive bounce back from the 33-year-old veteran who will be playing on a team more suited to his style of hockey here in Boston. Felino is pretty versatile, though, capable of playing all three forward positions, left forward, center, right forward. He also can contribute to both the power play and penalty kill units. Simply put, he's an all-situations player, which is very, very good, especially if he's going to be a replacement for Krejci, because Krejci was a all-situations type player, except he was a true center Instead of, you know, a forward, winger, center, whatever it may be. But Krejci was, you know, second line center. He was also on the power play, the penalty kill as well. So a subtle replacement per se. But like I said, I do see other moves coming out. And with Connor Garland now with the Vancouver Canucks after a trade between them and the Coyotes. You know, a big name that the Bruins really tied into, especially before the draft, is off the board. So Bruins are going to have to try to, you know, go elsewhere to find potential, more, you know, potential suitors for their team. I'm just trying to think where can the Bruins go from here? You know, they've, they protected Jake DeBrusque. They haven't moved him yet. Could their move be in the waiting for him? Are they going to wait and just, you know, play it out? Hope he bounces back. More than likely that's going to be the case because I feel like if he was to, to be traded, he probably would have been traded right after the the league movement restriction was in place for the expansion draft. I feel like the Bruins would have been talking to teams during then. And then once the restriction was lifted, the trade would have been announced. But however, since we haven't heard anything, expect Jake DeBrus to be back probably probably on the second line this year. You maybe move Hall to the other wing or DeBrus to the other wing. I don't know. I don't want to start predicting lineups and stuff because I do think that another big move for the Bruins is in the works. And I'm hoping that another big move is in the works because right now you are still behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Excuse me. Their ass. Excuse me. The Tampa Bay Lightning. You're still behind them. The Washington Capitals re-signed Alexander Ovechkin. I don't know if they're in front of you, but they're still going to be a serious contender. Pittsburgh. Uh, I almost said Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Penguins. Excuse me. They're still serious contenders, and obviously the New York Islanders, who I think very, very lowly of, 
but they're still a very good team, obviously, since they beat you in the second round. So you can't be content with this roster. I'm not content with this roster as it is right now. More moves have to be done, and I am excited that moves are being made, and I am anticipating and looking forward to more potential moves, hopefully in the coming days, weeks, wherever, okay? So the last topic, whew, the last topic, bear with me, bear with me. If you have made it to this point in the episode, either reach out to me on social media or comment this down below. Now on social media, Murph's Boston, uh, Murph's underscore Boston ST and the YouTube channel is Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So either reach out to me on social media or you can comment this down below if you have made it this far. What is your favorite Boston sports team? It doesn't have to be one of the four major sports, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, Patriots. It could be uh, the Revolution. It could even be, you know, UMass uh, Amherst. It could be uh, UMass Boston. It could be the Providence Bruins, the Worcester Red Sox, the Maine Red Claws. Oh, no, they changed their name, didn't they? Didn't they change their name? I thought they did. Oh, no, they just changed their logo and such. Yeah, they just... No, Maine Celtics. That's right. They're the Maine Celtics now. Um, comment down below your favorite New England, uh, Boston team, whatever it may be. doesn't have to be one of the four major sports teams, but if you made it to this point in, in the episode, comment down below on YouTube or reach out to me on social media, your favorite Boston slash New England sports team. I'd love to know. You guys know mine's the Red Sox. As much as I love all four of them, Mine is the Red Sox, however. Anyways, back to the episode where I do want to talk about one more topic, and that is the New England Patriots. What about the Patriots am I going to talk about? Well, uh, training camp is well underway, and the Patriots' practices are well underway. I know I really haven't talked much about them, but true be true, true be honest, to be honest, all I care about is is one thing. Just one. One story. One headline. One position battle. And that's the quarterback. That's really the only one I care about. I mean, okay. In respect, I care about them all. In respect, I do care about them all. However, the most important one is by far, by absolute far, the quarterback battle. Bill Belichick, after they drafted Cam Newton in April, said that Cam Newton is still the quarterback, starting quarterback. The other day, Cam Newton was claimed to be the starting quarterback by Bill Belichick again because Mac Jones is looking so damn good in training camp. He is picking up the offense. He is smart. He's making plays. He's making reads. He is, uh, you know, throwing bullets. He's dotting people. He's dropping dimes. I mean... He is literally doing just about anything and everything he is, has been thrown at. He is so good. And he was proclaimed to be the most NFL-ready quarterback, maybe behind Trevor Lawrence, out of the group of five. He is the smartest, and he was probably the most NFL-ready. Like I said, maybe behind Trevor Lawrence. I'd have to go back, but I don't really care. And if Bill Belichick actually goes through with Cam Newton 
even though Mac Jones performs better in every facet of the quarterback position, that is just disgraceful and you're just neglecting the facts. Why is Cam Newton the starting quarterback? Why is Bill Belichick so sold on Cam Newton? Now, if Cam Newton goes out in training camp and in the preseason games and earns the starting position, the starting quarterback position, by his play, by his uh, lack of mistakes, then so be it. If he straight up beats Mac Jones this preseason, I, and I think everyone could potentially live with that. I know I can live with that, but I don't want to speak for you know all of the you know, New England Patriot fans that they can because I know a lot of people are just done with him, and I don't blame you. But if Mac Jones, on the other hand, if Mac Jones straight up beats Cam Newton in every facet of quarterbacking this training camp and preseason, there is no reason why Mac Jones should not be the starter. It's not like he's a raw potential prospect that's had lack of college experience, kind of like a a Trey Lance kind of guy playing like 10, 11, 12 games or whatever. Nope. Mac Jones got a full collegiate season, won the national championship game. He deserves a fair chance. And if Bill Belichick is going to have his thumb so far up his ass and say Cam Newton's the starting quarterback, then what are we doing? What was the point of taking Mac Jones? Because if you're just going to save him for next year, then might as well throw in the bag on this year. I do not see any scenario that Cam Newton will lead the Patriots to any form of success. With all the players and talent that the Patriots brought in this year, they're in win-now mode. However you want to perceive that, they are in win-now mode. And if Cam Newton is the starting quarterback and is outplayed by Mac Jones, then Bill Belichick is not putting the team in win-now mode. Because if Mac Jones wins the quarterback battle, then he should be the starting quarterback because he's your best option, and your best option is putting the team in said win-now mode. Could this just be a smokescreen? That he's just saying Mac Jones, um, Cam Newton's the starting quarterback to make Mac Jones work and play harder and better? Sure, maybe. To see in how strong the kid's mentality is and how tough he is mentally? Sure, maybe. But Mike, in the process, you are just pissing us off. You are just pissing us off. Because I know a lot of people are just done with Cam Newton after last year. To be honest, once the Patriots were eliminated... After last year, after the 14th game, Jared Siddham should have been the starting quarterback for the last two games to see what you have in him. Because if he played his ass off and you know threw for six touchdowns, one pick, 600 yards or whatever, well, then maybe you don't draft Mac Jones because then maybe Jared Siddham is the next quarterback and the true heir to Tom Brady. Who knows? Who knows? But you did draft a quarterback in the first round. You did didn't start Jared Stidham in those last two games. You brought back Brian Hoyer. Now, Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Think of their play styles. Think of the quarterback style that Cam Newton is. Think of the quarterback style that Mac Jones is. Now look at Brian Hoyer. Who 
does Brian Hoyer, or who has Brian Hoyer backed up for years? Tom Brady. Now, who is Brian Hoyer more like? Cam Newton or Mac Jones in terms of play style, I guess. Mac Jones, right? Because Brian Hoyer ain't running for, you know, 50 yards a game and diving for touchdowns. No, he's a pocket quarterback. He learned from Tom Brady, who's a pocket quarterback. What is Mac Jones? A pocket quarterback. Brian Hoyer is literally here because the Patriots offense for the last 20 years, besides last year, was very pocket quarterback heavy. Very offensive orientated. Play calling, play schemes, line, uh, calls of the line of scrimmage. Not really your whole Ravens, Lamar Jackson running around the field all day. Not like what Cam Newton used to do back in, you know, the Panth- with the Panthers. Brian Hoyer is here to help Mac Jones along. Because Brian Hoyer is the closest thing to Tom Brady. And Mac Jones is the closest thing to what the Patriots like to run. In terms of their play style, their offensive schemes, their strategy, etc. So why is Bill Belichick so freaking persistent on Cam Newton being the quarterback? I don't know. Like I said, it could just be smokescreen. It could just be fake to uh, test the toughness of Mac Jones. But on the other hand, if that's true and Mac Jones does earn the starting quarterback position and the starting quarterback job, then he's going to look like an asshat for saying, Draft day, oh, Cam Newton's still our quarterback. And then a couple days ago, oh, Cam Newton's still our quarterback. And then you don't have Cam Newton be your starting quarterback. You look like a buffoon. A buffoon. You shouldn't have said anything at all. Just, I I understand. You're testing the toughness. But I honestly think a rookie quarterback being thrown the Patriots playbook is probably tough enough. And then having that same rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, taking the second string snaps is probably tough enough. If you want to have Cam Newton take all the starter reps, fine. But just leave the position open. You might get more out of Mac Jones because he knows that the starting job is still up for grabs and he freaking wants it. But if he knows that he's just the backup, then he might not give 110%. It's a tough battle to play from a coaching perspective, yes, but... You know, in terms of what's best for the team, that's a whole nother discussion to have. So those are my thoughts on it. If I was to pick right now, I'm picking Cam Newton because I'm hearing that statistically and like, you know, in simulation drills and stuff like a, uh, seven on sevens or whatever, they're performing roughly the same. Now, if two players are playing the same, but one's older and one's younger, who would I rather have? Well, I'd rather have the younger guy because the ceiling is higher for that player to get better. While the ceiling for the older guy is probably gone and behind him. So take that for what it's worth. Let me know what you think on social media or down below on the uh, comment sections here on YouTube. Excuse me. Mac Jones or Cam Newton? Who would you rather have as your quarterback? Because like I said, me personally, I want Mac Jones. So if you made it to this point in the video, on the episode, on the podcast, let me know who you want to be your starting quarterback. 
social media, reach out to me at Murphs underscore Boston ST or on the, here on YouTube down in the comment section below. Mac Jones or Cam Newton. And with that, I'm going to wrap up today's episode. It was a lengthy one. We had so much to talk about. We had so much to catch up on. And I really appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying today's episode. Hopefully you made it all the way to the end. I know it was a long one, so I really appreciate it. I'm not going to keep you any longer than you have to be. Just enjoy the beautiful weather that we're having. Enjoy the great outside. Summer is basically on its last legs here now that we're in August. But still, go out, have fun, be safe, and go Red Sox, go Celtics, go Bruins, and go Patriots because all four sports... They're kind of in the news these days. You know, I know baseball is the only one that's active and baseball is the only one that's playing. But all four sports are kind of in the news. Football's right around the corner. So expect a lot of Patriots coverage here on Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But, folks, thank you so much for joining me for episode number 77 here of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. If you're watching this episode here on YouTube, please make sure you like the video if you enjoyed it. Comment down below like I mentioned earlier. And also, if you're new or haven't considered subscribing yet, please subscribe to the channel as that would greatly be appreciated. Audio-only platforms, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, Google Podcasts, and other platforms as well in addition to YouTube. Thank you so much for joining Episode 77 of Merce Boston Sports Talk. I will catch you in the next one, but between now and then, you know that I love you. You know that I will always see you. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.